Welcome to our Catechism class. It's a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help you learn Christian doctrine with a warm and practical application. Each lesson has its own study guide, and the web link to find that guide can be found in the episode notes. Okay, let's start the lesson. In this lesson, we're going to look at the Catechist's instructions in the Third Commandment. Let's read the commandment itself first, and then we'll read the Catechism. So we find the commandment in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain. The Catechist asks in Lord's Day 36, question 99, what is required in the third commandment? The answer is, we are not to blaspheme or to abuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths, nor to share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. Rather, we must use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence, so that we may rightly confess him, call upon him, and praise him in all our words and works. In question 100, the Catechism asks, Is the blaspheming of God's name by swearing and cursing such a grievous sin that God is angry also with those who do not prevent and forbid it as much as they can? The answer is certainly, for no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of his name. That's why he commanded it to be punished with death. You're listening to the Semper Reformata podcast with Bob McAvoy. One of my favorite singer-songwriters is the late Leonard Cohen. His gravelly voice and slow rhythms and frequently melancholy themes give his songs a sense of gravity and deep contemplation, even though many of them are far from biblical. (laughs) Witness the confusion of the stories of David and Samson in his popular song, Hallelujah. But in his latter years, it seems that Cohen is a deeply troubled soul, reaching out for something as he faces up to his own mortality. Cohen was a Jew, whose spiritual search took him in and out of Buddhism, even though many of his lyrics border on Christian themes. In one of his last albums, Popular Problems, he sort of half sings and half talks his way through a song about the exodus from Egypt. The story of deliverance by God's grace that brought about the release of the Hebrew slaves and the giving of the law to Moses and the formation of the religion of Judaism. Here's a few of its lyrics. I was born in chains, but I was taken out of Egypt. I was bound to a burden, but the burden that was raised. Lord, I can no longer keep this secret. Blessed is the name. The name be praised. I fled to the edge of a mighty sea of sorrow, pursued by the riders of a cruel and dark regime. But the waters parted, and my soul crossed over, out of Egypt, out of Pharaoh's dream. 
word of words, and measure of all measures. Blessed is the name, the name be praised, written on my heart in burning letters, that's all I know. I cannot read the rest. The lyrics are powerful. But did you notice that the mighty divine deliverer from Egypt and slavery is simply described as the name? We often call God Jehovah, or more properly Yahweh, the unique four-letter word YHWH, which simply means I am, and which was revealed by God to Moses at the burning bush. But in Orthodox Judaism, God's name is too holy to pronounce. To let his name even slip from the lips would be a deadly sin. In such Judaism, God is simply referred to as the name. When Cohen was singing about God's deliverance of the people, the Hebrews from Egypt, he simply said, Blessed is the name. I suppose in that he echoes Psalm 8 and verse 1, or Jeremiah 10 and verse 8, Inasmuch as there is none like you, O Lord, you are great, and your name is great in might. Or Psalm 103, verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now contrast that with our modern age, our nominally so-called Christian Western world, where the holy name of God is regularly used in vain. The third commandment deals with this, and the catechist helps us to understand its seriousness, and typical of the Heidelberg Catechism, he helps us in a practical way to apply God's word to our own lives. Here's what he says. In question 99, he asks what is required in the third commandment. We're not to blaspheme or abuse the name of God by cursing, perjury or unnecessary oaths, nor to share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. Rather, we must use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence, so that we may rightly confess him, call upon him and praise him in all our words and works. Look at what we're not to do. The name of God reflects his holy nature. So it is sinful, it is a serious breach of the law to abuse his name. It hurls abuse and offence at our Creator. Kevin DeYoung here writes, God does not want us to empty his name of its meaning. Let's see some examples how we might do that, how we might abuse God's name. Cursing the name of God. There's an incident in Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 10 where it tells us that the son of an Israelite woman whose father was an Egyptian went among the people of Israel and the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel fought with each other in among the tents. The son of the Israelite woman swore against the name of the Lord so they brought him to Moses and they kept him shut up until the will of the Lord may be made known unto them. The penalty was that he should be put to death for his sin. Making false oaths. Leviticus 19 and 12 Do not lie when you make a promise in my name. And so put the name of your God to shame. I am the Lord. 
Making a promise you can't keep is actually to blaspheme against God whose promises always come to pass. Or proclaiming visions or prophecies that are false. Ezekiel 12, 21-22 The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, what is that proverb that ye have in the land of Israel, saying that days are prolonged and every vision faileth? The work of the people who believe in extra-biblical revelations and who make false prophecies that never come to pass. In the Old Testament, to claim to be a prophet and to utter a prophecy that didn't come true was to invite a death sentence. And what about the misuse of biblical scriptural passages taken out of context and without references used as proof texting? There's many preachers and self-proclaimed apostles and prophets in the visible church who distort the Bible, who wrest it out of its context to make the Bible back up their latest crazy belief or a rational promise of healing or wealth or prosperity. People who misuse God's word like this are bringing dishonour in God's name. Or what about using the name of God as an expletive? You know the OMG thing? Oh my God gets used as an expletive in books and films and everyday conversation, even in commercial advertisements. You'll hear it on the bus, you'll hear it in shops and conversations and yet it ought to be and should be repugnant to Christian believers. And how often when we read modern novels and watch modern movies is the name of the Lord Jesus trotted out as a blasphemy in a way that would never be tolerated if they were using the words Allah or Muhammad. So what are we to do? This commandment's not just negative. Our instructor teaches us that we must, by our actions, our words and our lives, reflect the holiness of God to others. First Peter 1 and verse 15, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And he gives us some clear directions to help. The Catechist teaches us that we should only ever use the name of God with fear and reverence. He's reminded us that God's name is holy, that it is different from any other name, that it is spotless and pure and without any sinful connotations whatsoever. And we should rightly confess him. We should tell others that we belong to him, confess him before men and before women. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 to 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And we should use his name in prayer, not by continually repeating it, of course, not vain repetition, which is forbidden by Jesus in Matthew 6 and verse 7. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And we should practically praise him. We're not just to praise God in our words, but in our works. Whatever we do, in word or in deed, we are to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, as Paul teaches us in Colossians 3 and 17. Our lives should honour the name of Christ and not take it in vain.
In question 100, there's more help for us. Question 100 asks us, is the blaspheming of God's name by swearing and cursing such a grievous sin that God is angry also with those who do not prevent and forbid it as much as they can? And the answer is certainly, for no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of his name. That is why he commanded it to be punished with death. And right here, the Catechist sets out for us why we cannot afford to be tolerant of any form of misuse or abuse of God's name. In the Old Testament, the penalty for taking his name in vain was to lose your life. So it must be a serious matter. It must be so serious that God is not just angry with those who abuse his name, but angry with those who do not try to stop it from happening. Certainly the Catechist recognises that there are limits on our influences on society, for he adds the phrase, as much as they can. There's only so much we can do, and yet some of us will do absolutely nothing. We must at least express disapproval when God's name is misused or blasphemed, or when the name of Jesus is used as a swear word. And his name, remember, is our name too. We are his people. We are Christians. That is our family name. Let us never be ashamed to bear the name of Christ. Matthew 10 and 32 teaches us that everyone who acknowledges the Lord Jesus before men will also be acknowledged before his Father who is in heaven. 1 Peter 4 and 16 If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Well, in our next Catechism lesson, we're going to look at Lord's Day 37, and we'll try to apply the law of God regarding this Sabbath day to our own lives. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.